section sixteen of little journeys to the homes of great scientists this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org little journeys to the homes of great scientists by albert hubbard linnaeus part two the year spent by linnaeus under the roof of dr rothman was a pivotal point in his life he was eighteen years old the contempt of rothman for the refinements of education appealed to the young man rothman was blunt direct and to the point he had a theory that people grew by doing what they wanted to do not by resisting their impulses he was both friend and comrade to the boy they rode together dissected animals and plants and the young man assisted in operations linnaeus had the run of the doctor's library and without knowing it was mastering physiology i would adopt him as my son said rothman but i love him so much that i am going to separate him from me my roots have struck deep in the soil i am like the human trees told of by dante but the boy can go on and so rothman sent him along to the university of lund with letters to another doctor still more cranky than himself this man was dr kilian stobaeus a medical professor physician to the king and a naturalist of note stobaeus had a mixed-up museum of minerals birds fishes and plants everybody for a hundred miles who had a curious thing in the way of natural history sent it to stobaeus into this medley of strange and curious things linnaeus was plunged with orders to straighten it up there was a german student also living with the doctor working for his board linnaeus took the lead and soon had the young german helping him catalogue the curios the spirit of ray had gotten abroad in germany and ray's books had been translated and were being used in many of the german schools linnaeus made a bargain with the german student that they should speak only german he wanted to find what was locked up in those german books on botany stobaeus was lame and had but one eye so he used to call on the boys to help him not only to hitch up his horse but to write his prescriptions linnaeus wrote very badly and was chided because he did not improve his penmanship for it seems that in the olden times physicians wrote legibly linnaeus resented the rebuke and was shown the door he was gone a week when stobaeus sent for him much to his relief this little comedy was played several times during the year through what linnaeus afterward acknowledged as his fault one would hardly think that the man who on first seeing the english gorse in full bloom fell on his knees burst into tears of joy and thanked god that he had lived to see this day would have had a fiery temper 
then further the gentle spiritual qualities that linnaeus in his later life developed give one the idea that he was always of a gentle nature in indexing the museum of dr stobaeus linnaeus found his bent i will never be a doctor he said but i can beat the world on making a catalogue and thus it was his genius lay in classification he indexed and catalogued the world a great writer has said after a year at the university of lund with more learned by working for his board than at school there was a visit from dr rothman who had just dropped in to see his old friend stobaeus the fact was rothman cared a deal more for linnaeus than he did for stobaeus weeds develop into flowers by transplanting only said rothman to linnaeus you need a different soil get out of here before you get pot bound but about cyclops asked linnaeus let cyclops go to the devil it was no use to ask permission of stobaeus linnaeus was so valuable that stobaeus would not spare him so linnaeus packed up and departed between the dawn and the day leaving a letter stating he had gone to upsala because it seemed best and begging forgiveness for such seeming ingratitude when linnaeus got to upsala he found a letter from dr cyclops written in wrath requesting him never again to show his face in lund rothman also lost the friendship of stobaeus for his share in the transaction when linnaeus arrived at upsala he had one marked distinction according to his own account he was the poorest student that had ever knocked at the gates of the university for admittance perhaps this is a mistake for even though the young man had patched his shoes with birch bark he was not in debt and the youth of twenty-one who has health hope ambition and animation is not to be pitied poverty is only for the people who think poverty it is five hundred english miles from lund to Uppsala. after his long weary tramp linnaeus sat on the edge of the hill and looked down at the scattered town of Uppsala in the valley below a stranger passing by pointed out the college buildings where a thousand young men were being drilled and disciplined in the mysteries of learning where is the botanical garden asked the newcomer it was pointed out to him he gazed on the site carefully studied the surrounding landscape and mentally calculated where he would move the botanical garden as soon as he had control of it let us anticipate here just long enough to explain that the Uppsala botanical garden now is where linnaeus said it should be it is a most beautiful place lined off with close-growing shrubbery after traversing the winding paths one reaches the lecture hall built after the greek with porches peristyle and gently ascending marble steps on entering the building the first object that attracts the visitor is the life-size statue of linnaeus to the left a half mile away is the old cathedral 
a place that never much interested linnaeus but there now rests his dust and in windows and also in storied bronze his face form and fame endure in the meantime we have left the young man sitting on a boulder looking down at the town ere he goes forward to possess it he adjusts his shoes with their gaping wounds shakes the dust from his cap and then takes from his pack a faded neck scarf puts it on and he is ready descending the hill he forgets his lameness waves the stone bruises and walks confidently to the botanical garden which he views with a critical eye next he inquires for the general superintendent who lives near the young man presents his credentials from rothman who describes the youth as one who knows and loves the flowers and who can be useful in office or garden and is not above spade and hoe the superintendent looks at the pink face touched with bronze from days in the open air notes the long yellow hair beholds the out-of-door look of fortitude that comes from hard and plain fare and inwardly compares these things with the lack of them in some of his students but this doctor dr rothman who wrote this letter i do not have the honour of knowing him says the superintendent ah you are unfortunate replies the youth he is a very great man and i myself will vouch for him in every way oh this glowing confidence of youth before there comes a surplus of lime in the bones or the touch of winter in the heart the superintendent smiled knock in faith and the door shall be opened and there are those whom no one can turn away a stray bed was found in the garret for the stranger and the next morning he was earnestly at work cataloguing the dried plants in the herbarium a task long delayed because there was no one to do it the study of natural history in the university of upsala was at this time at a low ebb it was like the art department in many of the american colleges its existence largely confined to the school catalogue there were many weeks of biting poverty and neglect for linnaeus but he worked away in obscurity and silence and endured saying all the time the sun will come out the sun will come out dr olaf rudbeck had charge of the chair of botany but seldom sat in it his business was medicine he gave no lectures but the report was that he made his students toil at cultivating in his garden this to open up their intellectual pores in the course of his work linnaeus devised a sex plan of classification instead of the so-called natural method he wrote out his ideas and submitted them to rudbeck the learned doctor first pooh-poohed the plan then tolerated it and in a month claimed he had himself devised it on the scheme being explained to others there was opposition and rudbeck requested linnaeus to amplify his notes into a thesis and read it as a lecture 
this was done and so pleased was the old man that he appointed linnaeus his adjunctus in the spring of seventeen hundred thirty linnaeus began to give weekly lectures on some topic of natural history linnaeus was now fairly launched his animation clear thinking handsome face and graceful ways made his lectures very popular science in his hands was no longer the dull and turgid thing it had before been in the university he would give a lecture in the hall and then invite the audience to walk with him in the woods he seemed to know everything birds beetles bugs beasts trees weeds flowers rocks and stones were to him familiar he showed his pupils things they had walked on all their lives and never seen the old botanical garden that had degenerated into a kitchen garden for the commons was rearranged and furnished with many specimens gathered round about a system of exchange was carried on with other schools and natural history at upsala was fast becoming a feature old dr rudbeck hobbled around with the classes and when linnaeus lectured sat in a front seat applauding by rapping his cane on the floor and ejaculating words of encouragement linnaeus was now receiving invitations to lecture at other schools in the vicinity he made excursions and reports on the natural history of the country around the academy of science of upsala now selected him to go to lapland and explore the resources of that country which was then little known the journey was to be a long and dangerous one it meant four thousand miles of travel on foot by sledge and on horseback over a country that was for the most part mountainous without roads and peopled with semi-savages there were two reasons why linnaeus should make the trip one was he had the hardihood and the fortitude to do it and second he was not wanted at upsala he was becoming too popular one rival professor had gone so far as to prefer formal charges of scientific heresy he also made the telling point that linnaeus was not a college graduate the rule of the university was that no lecturer teacher or professor should be employed who did not have a degree from some foreign university inquiry was made and it was found that linnaeus had left the university of lund under a cloud linnaeus was confronted with the charge and declined to answer it thus practically pleading guilty so to get him out of upsala seemed a desirable thing both to friends and to foes his friends secured the commission for the lapland exploration and his enemies made no objections merely whispering good riddance to be twenty-four in good health with hair like that of general custer a heart to appreciate nature a good horse under you and the commission from the state to do an important work in your left-hand breast pocket what heaven more complete 
a reception was tendered the young naturalist in the great hall and he addressed the students on the necessity of doing your work as well as you can and being kind before beginning his arduous and dangerous journey linnaeus went to lund to visit his old patron dr stobaeus time the great healer had cured the doctor of his hate and he now spoke of linnaeus as his best pupil he had left hastily by the one light of the moon without leaving orders where his mail was to be forwarded but now he was received as an honoured guest all the little misunderstandings they had were laughed over as jokes from lund linnaeus went to his home in smaland to visit his parents it is needless to say that they were very proud of him and the villagers turned out in great numbers to do him honour perhaps in their simplicity not knowing why the account of the lapland trip by linnaeus is to be found in his book lachesis laponica the journey covered over four thousand miles and took from may to november seventeen hundred thirty one the volume is in the form of a daily journal and is as interesting as robinson crusoe there is no night there in summer but for all this lapland is not a paradise it is a great stretch of desert vast steppes and lofty mountains with here and there fertile valleys to be out in the wide open with no companions but a horse and a dog filled linnaeus heart with a wild joy as he went on the road grew so rough that he had to part with the horse which he did with the pang but the dog kept him company to be educated is to liberate the mind from its trammels and fears to set it free new chiselled from the rock linnaeus revelled in the vast loneliness of the steppes and took a hearty satisfaction in the hard fare his gun and fishing rod stood him in good stead there were berries at times and edible barks and watercress and when this failed he had a little bag of meal and dried reindeer tongues to fall back upon the simplicity of his living is shown best in the fact that the expenses for the entire journey occupying seven months were only twenty-five pounds or less than one hundred twenty-five dollars the academy had set aside sixty pounds and their surprise at having most of the money returned to them instead of a demand being made for more won them hand and heart he had hit the sturdy old burghers in a sensitive spot the pocket-book and they passed resolutions declaring him the world's greatest naturalist and voted him a medal to be cast at his own expense fame is delightful but as collateral it does not rank high linnaeus was without funds and without occupation he gave a course of lectures at the university on his explorations where every seat was taken and even the stage and windows were filled the sprightliness grace and intellect linnaeus brought to bear 
illumined his theme when linnaeus lectured all classes were dismissed none could rival him his very excellence was his disadvantage jealousy was hot on his trail for he was disturbing the balance of stupidity a movement grew to force him from the college formal charges were made and when the case came to a trial the even tenor of justice was disturbed by linnaeus making an attack on professor rosen his principal enemy with intent to kill him duelling has been forbidden in all the universities of sweden since the year sixteen hundred eighty two and the diversion replaced by quartet singing so when linnaeus challenged his enemy to fight and warned him he would kill him if he didn't fight and also if he did things were in a bad way for linnaeus the former charges were dropped to take up the more serious just as when a man is believed to be guilty of murder no mention is made of his crime of larceny poor linnaeus was under the ban the enemy had won linnaeus must leave but where should he go what could he do no college would receive him after his being compelled to leave upsala for riot he decided that if disgrace were to be his on account of revenge he would accept the disgrace he would kill rosen on sight and then either commit suicide or accept the consequences it was all one and so laying plans to waylay his victim he fell asleep and dreamed he had done the deed he awoke in a sweat of horror he heard the officers at the door he staggered to his feet and was making wild plans to fight the pursuers when it occurred to him that he had only dreamed he sat down faint but mightily relieved then he laughed and it came to him that opposition was a part of the great game of life to do a thing was to jostle others and to jostle and be jostled was the fate of every man of power he that endureth unto the end shall be saved the world was before him the flowers still bloomed and plants nodded their heads in the meadows the summer winds blew across the fields of wheat the branches waved he was strong he could plant and plough or dig ditches or hew lumber someone was hammering on the door they had been knocking for fully five minutes ah there had been no murder so surely it was not the officers he arose slowly and opened the door murmuring apologies a letter for carolus linnaeus the letter was from baron reuterholm of dalecarlia it contained a draft for twenty-five pounds as a token of good faith and begged that linnaeus would accept charge of an expedition to survey the natural resources of dalecarlia in the same way that he had lapland only with greater minuteness linnaeus read the letter again the draft fluttered from his fingers to the floor pick that up he peremptorily ordered of the messenger he wanted to see if the other man saw it too the other man did pick it up 
linnaeus was not dreaming then after all this second expedition had two objects one was the better education of baron reuterholm's two sons and the other the survey one of these sons was at the university of upsala and he had conceived such an admiration for linnaeus that he had written home about him no man knows what he is doing we succeed by the right oblique little did linnaeus guess that he was preparing the way for great good fortune the second excursion was one of luxury it lacked all the hardships of the first and involved the management of a party reuterholm was a rich jewish banker and a man in close touch with all swedish affairs of state this time linnaeus was provided with ample funds linnaeus had a genius for system a head for business he classified men and systematized his work like a general in the field there were seven young naturalists in the party and to each linnaeus assigned a special work with orders to hand in a written report of progress each evening that the economist or steward of the party was an american lends an special note of interest for us after the lecarlia it was to be america in money matters he was punctilious and accurate the result of his early training in making both ends meet the habits of thrift industry energy and absolute honesty had made him a marked man there is not so much competition along these lines the maps measurements drawings and exact short sharp military reports turned in at regular intervals to the baron one that worthy absolutely linnaeus was a business man as well as a naturalist it would require a book to tell of the glorious half gypsy life of these eight young men moving slowly through woods across plains over mountains and meadows studying soil rocks birds trees and flowers collecting and making records camping at night by flowing streams awakening with the dawn and cooking breakfast by the campfire in a silence that took up their shouts of laughter in surprise and echoed them back from the neighboring hills at last the journey was ended linnaeus had proved his ability to teach his animation good cheer and friendly qualities brought his pupils very close to him reuterholm insisted that he should attach himself to the rising little college at falun there he met dr moreus a man of much worth in a scientific way at his house linnaeus made his home there was a daughter in the household sarah elizabeth tall slender appreciative and studious one of the reuter homes had courted her but in vain there were the usual results and when carolus and sarah elizabeth came to dr moreus hand in hand for his blessing he granted it as good men always do then the doctor gave linnaeus some good advice go to holland or somewhere and get a doctor's degree 
the enemies at Uppsala called linnaeus the gypsy scientist silenced them linnaeus was now a great man and the world would yet acknowledge it sarah elizabeth agreed in all of the propositions love they say is blind but sometimes love is a regular telescope this time love saw things that the learned men of Uppsala failed to discover their diagnosis was wrong linnaeus had prepared a thesis on intermittent fever and he was assured that if he presented this thesis at the medical school at hardervik holland with letters from baron reuterholm and dr moreus it would secure him the much desired m d a few months at most would suffice he could then return to falun and take his place as a practicing physician and a professor in the college marry the lady of his choice and live happy ever afterward so he started away southward in due time he arrived at hardervik and read his thesis to the faculty instead of the callow youth such as they usually dealt with they found a practised speaker who defended his points with grace and confidence the degree was at once voted and a cum laude thrown in for good measure linnaeus was asked to remain there and give a course of lectures on natural history this he did before going home he thought he would take a little look in on leyden at that time the bookmaking and literary centre of the world at leyden he met gronovius the naturalist who asked him to remain and give lectures at the university he did so and incidentally showed gronovius the manuscript of his book on the new system of botanic classification gronovius was so delighted that he insisted on having the book printed by the plantains at his own expense here was a piece of good fortune linnaeus had not anticipated linnaeus now settled down to read the proofs and help the work through the presses but he never idled an hour he studied wrote and lectured and made little excursions with his friends through the fields the book finished he hastened to send copies back to falun to sarah elizabeth saying he must see amsterdam and then go to antwerp to visit his new-found printer friends there and then go home at amsterdam he remained a whole year living at the house of burman the naturalist the wealthy banker clifford first among amateur botanists of his day invited linnaeus to visit him at his country house at hartekamp here he saw the finest garden he had ever looked upon clifford had copies of linnaeus's book and he now insisted that the author should remain catalogue his collection and issue the book with the help of the plantains all without regard to cost it took a year to get the work out but it yet remains one of the finest things ever attempted in a bookmaking way on the subject of botany about the same time with the help of clifford linnaeus published another big book of his own called fundamenta botanica this book was taken up at oxford 
and used as a textbook in preference to ray linnaeus received invitations from england and was persuaded to take a trip across to that country he visited oxford and london and was received by scientific men as a conquering hero he saw garrick act and heard george frederick handel where the crowd was so great that a notice was posted requesting gentlemen to come without swords and ladies without hoops handel composed an aria in his honour returning to leyden linnaeus was urged by the municipality to remain and rearrange the public flower gardens and catalogue the rare plants at the university this took a year in which three more books were issued under his skilful care he now started for home in earnest by way of paris with what a contemporary calls a trunkful of medals paris too had honours and employment for the great botanist but he escaped and at last reached falun he had been gone nearly four years and during the interval had established his place in the scientific world as the first botanist of the time it was love that sent me out of sweden and but for love i would never have returned he wrote linnaeus and sarah elizabeth were married june twenty sixth seventeen hundred thirty nine now the unexpected happened Uppsala petitioned linnaeus to return and the man who headed the petition was the one who had driven him away and who came near being killed for his pains linnaeus and his wife went to Uppsala, rich honoured beloved linnaeus shifted the scientific centre of gravity of all europe to a town practically to them obscure a thing they themselves scarcely realized henceforth the life of linnaeus flowed forward like a great and mighty river everything made way for him he was invited by the king of spain to come to that country and found a school of science and so lavish were the promises that they surely would have turned the head of a lesser man universities in many civilized countries honored themselves by giving him degrees in seventeen hundred sixty one the king of sweden issued a patent of nobility in his honour and thereafter he was karl von Linn. in england he was known as sir charles Linn. sat beuve the eminent french critic says that the world has produced only about half a dozen men who deserve to be placed in the first class the elements that make up this super-superior man are high intellect which abandons itself to the purpose in hand careless of form and precedent indifference to obstacles and opposition and the joyous sympathetic loving spirit that runs over and inundates everything it touches all with no special thought of personal pleasure gratification or gain linnaeus seems in every way to fill the formula end of section sixteen recording by shenna sare fresno california